They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, let's haze the new guy. Superboy number 218, The Secret Villain the World Never Knew, published July 1976, written by Carrie Bates with art by Mike Grell. The newest Legionnaire may fall in his very first mission. Welcome to the Legion Clubhouse. I'm Steven Schleicher. Here's Matthew Peterson. Hello, Matthew. Hello. This week, we have a new secret villain harassing the Legion members. I think his name is... Uh, Zardoz. Uh, no, like the Sean Connery it's movie. it's Soras is his name. Oh, I know him. Yeah, he pays progressives. You know, Soras, the guy that has harassed the uh, Legion of uh, Superheroes for for years now. He's back. He's back again to harass the Legion members, and he knows all their secrets, which means the new guy, Tyrock, by the way, for those of you who yeah. paid attention last uh, episode, Tyrock is the only one who can take down Soras. Yep. Stop saying it like that. <laughs> No, because he really is. I mean, by the end, when when the end reveal of who it is, uh, no. no, it's it's pretty appropriate, I think. So here's the thing. Yes. The cover, if the cover of this issue doesn't give it away, mm-hmm. the first page, which is essentially a repair print of the cover, should give it away. And when I read that splash page, I'm like, oh, they're playing a joke on the new guy, yep. which is fine, because, I mean, they did that to Superboy. They've done it to some of the other ones, but... You're also doing it on the new guy who happens to be black, and you didn't do it to any of the other recent Legion members. Yeah, there's quite a few guys. Shadow Last just showed up. Timberwolf uh, and Chemical King just showed up. I mean, it, it's nice. I really like this plot. You know, kind of you like the you like the, the hazing on the you like the hazing incidents conceptually. I like the idea of young kids hazing the new guy and having some fun because it reminds me of the silver age legion where this happened all the time the very first legion story was essentially this plot yeah no it was a hazing hazing incident the new guy's coming in we're going to give the new guy some static and then he joins of us and once he's had his rash he's one of us and it you know it's fine but i agree with you the timing is bad because we haven't seen this in probably like 10 years worth of legion stories yeah Probably, I, I want to say the last time we saw anything like this would have been before Karate Kid joined, because mm-hmm. Karate Kid and those four guys just showed up, and they're like, hey, we want to join the Legion. Okay. So, uh, how how is Soraz uh, defeating all of the Legion members? Zoraz. Uh, well, this is important. A couple of months ago, you remember, several issues ago, when we met Pharaoh Lad 2. Yes. And also, uh, who was the other clone. one? The Invisible they, Kid 2. Yeah, Invisible Kid 2. That's right. The exploding clones of, of Lyle Norg and Andrew Nolan were drawn from the Legionnaire's chromosomal cell blank bank, where they have the cells of all the Legion of Superheroes members, including their powers. Yeah, in case and they need Zoraz, to regrow them. Right. Zoraz just waltzed into Legion headquarters one day, walked to that secret card catalog of genetic information, rifled through it like John Bender in The Breakfast Club, 
took out everything he wanted and now is using that information to give him the power to neutralize or in this case actually perfectly counter any legionnaire's power so colossal boy tries to grow large he grows out of control light last tries to make things light she flies away it's all a thing yeah i, d I don't think it's countering because the opposite of of being light would be heavy right but instead he like cranks their powers up out of control to where light lass is like oh i can't control my light powers i have hit the ceiling right and colossal boy is like whoa i can't control my growing powers i have hit the ceiling <laughs> everybody else also hits the ceiling but they do it in different ways sun boy is like oh i can't control the sun yeah so uh we come to find out initially at the end of it all that soras is either sun boy or Superboy, depending on which one they needed to uh have wear the the rubber costume uh, to to fr to freak out our young friend Tyrock. Mm -hmm. But then we find out later at the end that the third time that Sorash shows up is because it just so happens to be another Legion reject. Yes, the worst Legion reject of them all. Well, but so, Kurt so Niedrig, absorbency yeah, boy. Absorbency boy. I mean, this is the paper towel cover poster child <laughs> is what he should be, absorbency boy. And and the reason why we're saying that he's so bad is because right now he's he's showing up as as absorbency lad. Right. But he's going to come back later as like every proud boy's wet dream. Yes, uh, he eventually comes back as Earthman, who is overtly fascist and xenophobic and hateful and literally maims. And I don't remember if he killed for good, but tries to kill legionnaires. But that doesn't happen for like 30 years. So that's going to be at least 700 episodes. Isn't it weird, though, that then in the case of Earth, Earthman, a.k.a. Absorbency Boy, a.k.a. Soras, mm -hmm. that the first time that he goes up against the Legion He's going up against a black man. Isn't that almost, you know, uh, on the nose a little bit too much? Kind of. I, I don't know. I, I honestly wonder if this first appearance fighting Tyrock is why they turned him into a human supremacist jack wagon. I mean, you can read this story as he, you know, hates the Legion, mm -hmm. but he also takes special time out and gets beaten down by Tyrock, mm -hmm. not just with his sonic powers, but with a karate chop in the neck. And it really looks painful. Yeah. You know, the ultrasonic power cry and then Kerchunk. I think that it's possible that that's the thought process behind turning him into this xenophobe, which is, you know, just the 30th century way of saying he's a racist jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just find find that really fascinating as, as we look at, at this. Uh, but there are also two other legion rejects here the first one is what quake boy this quake is the kid oh sorry quake kid he's the one that yeah. is sitting there trying to uh his superpower is uh warm oats and honey <laughs> he's got that no. weird haircut no no you're thinking of quisp oh okay uh, quake has a he has a propeller on his head and he talks like this no he has the ability theoretically to create earthquakes but and he's uh, never uh, he's never seen again, though, right after this. We don't see him come back as like fascist uh, sidekick lad or anything like that. Nope. Quake Kid has never returned. And the reason why is the I believe the reason why is the other Legion reject coming back for her second round of humiliation. Right. Druracept, infectious last, who makes him really sick by forgetting to turn off her superpowers. And then Quake Kid walks away going, oh, I'm so sick. 
and he's never heard from again. So I'm curious. I didn't know. I know we've had. I know we've had like rich kids get rejected, but I didn't know that you could try out multiple times once you were rejected from the Legion of Superheroes, which makes me wonder why Infectious Lass of all the people that you're going to have show up. Why her? Well, she says in the in this story that she found a way to make her powers even stronger. Ah, okay. She can cause the E word that we don't say in Ebola? our current climate. No. Ebola. The other E word. Icky. No. Ew. The one the one that rhymes with schmepidemic. Pandemic. She. <laughs> that doesn't she start with now, an E. She has now juiced her powers to where she can literally create epidemics with her own two hands. Um, and you know, there's a story that I don't know if we'll actually do because it's not a Legion tale, but she meets ambush bug and says, I make people sick. And his response is, yeah, sweetie, I'm sure you do. But yes, she makes quake kid really sick and he's never seen from again. And I really think that he just walks off stage and collapses. Well, it's kind of almost serves him right. It kind of serves him right because as the three of them are coming out going, Oh, here we are rejected again. A quake kid (laughs) is like, Hey baby. I know something that'll help us get over this disappointment. And he grabs her and she's and and at first it, it's like, she's wanting to go along with it. And then he's like, Oh my God, I'm sick. And she's like, Oh, I guess I forgot to turn off my powers when you grabbed me and I didn't approve. Uh, that's that is one read on it. I mean, that's uh, how I read it is that he was like, Hey, I know something that'll, yeah, I know something that'll uh, change our attitudes. Hey, I mean, let's you know, take it, my retro jetter and we can commiserate together. Yeah, Aww, except for yeah. the uh, the drippy costume effects that Infectious Lass already has. She's not a horrible looking person, right? Because, I mean, you could, uh, you know, hey, uh, what are we going to do for somebody that has bouncing powers? Let's make him fat. What are we going to do with a girl called Snot Girl? Oh, let's make sure that she's got snot always coming out her nose. What are we going to do with Infectious Lass? How about we have some droopy, snotty looking clothes hanging off of her? But yep. as she is she's not uh somebody that i think you would look at and be instantly turned off it's only when you touch her without permission that you're going to catch the ebolas and you're going to die well i i've always found when i was younger i actually thought that she had butterfly wings and i couldn't yeah, so figure did it I. out yeah so did i and when she when she finally appeared and it was clear that cockrum was drawing her as having you know phlegmy mucus from her arms i'm like Ew, and also clever. Yeah, no. But mostly when ew. I, when I first saw it, it was I thought it was a slime mold uh, that right. was dripping off of her uh, for whatever sense. reason. So yeah, yeah, no, I can totally understand that. You know, it's funny you don't want to say pandemic or epidemic uh, in this episode, Matthew, because there are I a couple know. of other things that tie this issue into current day happenings, and one yeah. of those just happens to be. Um, the, uh, the fact that this issue feels really kind of short. It does. And there's, there's actually a reason for that. I went back over the last few issues and verified because of a paper shortage in 1973, DC had made their books shorter and shorter and shorter. They went, Mm -hmm. I think from 32 pages to 24. This issue is 18. Hmm. Now, we've been 18 for a couple of months now. I think 216, 217 are both 18-page issues. Yeah. But this feels really slight, even for an 18-pager. And I started trying to figure out, well, when did this happen? Because I thought, my first thought was, oh, this is the first 18-page issue. Turns out, no. Uh, The 18-pager started earlier in 1976. Mm Mm-hmm. 
we're now coming out of that paper shortage a little bit into a point where the editor-in-chief, Carmine Infantino, is going to start expanding the DC line of comics. Yes, as we talk about the DC explosion and then the DC implosion. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll actually get there pretty so quickly. Here's, here's, the, here's the funny thing about this. So this paper shortage that Matthew is talking about, there's two points of origin for this. Uh, the first one is in 1973, the Canadian paper mills went on uh, a strike and they ended up charging um, almost twice as much for paper than what it had been during uh, the non-strike period. And so this forced publishers to either decrease the amount of pages that they had or pay an outrageous price, which, you know, hurt books, hurt, hurt newspapers, uh, hurt uh, uh, comic books. But the other thing that happened in 1973, which as I was reading about the paper shortages of the 1970s, really seems somewhat familiar. Imagine, if you will, Matthew, you're sitting down to watch The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and Johnny Carson just, you know, jokingly makes a, a, a passing reference to, oh, you know, this is going to mean that there's going to be a shortage of toilet paper. And he's saying it as a complete joke. <laughs> and do you know what happened? For the next year, there was a toilet paper shortage in 1973 to 1974 because of a joke that Johnny Carson made about, uh, you know, the, the, the toilet paper being in short supply now. Yep. And the, the thing that's interesting about this is it's actually partially confirmed by Snopes. Mm -hmm. If you, if you look this up, Johnny made a real joke, a joke about a real toilet paper shortage or about no, the was, possibility of a toilet yeah, paper Yeah, he was just shortage. making it up. It was a total makeup thing. There was not a toilet paper shortage until Johnny Carson made a joke of it. And then suddenly the next day, people start having a run on toilet paper, uh, you know, metaphorically. Mm -hmm. The other thing that yeah, I find. You had, you had to do it. The other thing that I find super fascinating and how this issue ties with modern day, not only do we have infectious lass, uh, you know, making people sick, not only do we have uh, absorbency boy getting the prequel to uh, bad uh, xenophobia uh, that runs rampant, not only do we have a, a, a toilet paper shortage, but also in 1973, uh, we have, and this lasted for a couple of years, uh, the OPEC oil crisis which caused the stock market to tumble over the course of 73 to 74, a huge amount. And over the last four months, we have seen all four of these things that this issue, uh, you know, the, that was happening in, in 73 through 76. All these things are super relevant to what's going on today. I know that this issue didn't come out in 73, but right. just the fact that, Matthew brought up the paper shortage and me going, oh, yeah, there was something about that. I remembered it and then went yep. back and found out that it kind of started uh, both as a Johnny Carson joke, as well as the Canadian paper mills going on strike that led to this reduction in pages, but also a uh, drop in the economy. Thanks to the o OPEC uh, crisis, as well as, um, um, you know, all these other things that were going on. I just couldn't pass up talking about it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there's one other thing about this issue that is important in a historical, broader sense. Is it the point where they uh, call out in an editor's box, decibels are a measure of sound levels, kids? <laughs> no, that's just a cool flash fact. 
This is, to my reckoning, the first Legion of Superhero stories I ever read. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah. in 1976, or are you reading? Tr- uh, you're reading an older issue, or you found this in a back reading, issue bin? I'm reading back issues. Uh, I started reading. This is when your your cousin Stork or whatever was telling you you can't read these things. My cousin Elwood. Thank oh, you. Oh, sorry. Was his father. Stork. But no, no. Stork was my friend in uh, high school. Oh, okay. He was the one who had the uh, car that accidentally, and never mind, we'll go over it. Um, But anyway, yes, I bought this as a back issue in either probably 82 or 83. And it it really did give me a skewed view of what the Legion should be like. Because I uh, didn't really get into the Legion until a year or two later when they started doing the reprints in Adventure Comics Mm. after Adventure went digest-sized. And I could buy those at the local uh, Bogart's grocery store. Mm -hmm. But this is the first issue I picked it up as a back issue in Pat's book nook. It had been a stripped comic, so it had no actual cover. Well, it had a cover. It had no logo. So the top third of the cover was gone. And it gave me a weird idea of what the Legion was like. This and... The tabloid, which my cousin had, both feature Tyrock. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I was like, man, that Tyrock, how long was he a legionnaire? Because he was in both of the first stories that I ever read. Turns out the answer is about eight and a half minutes. <laughs> about two issues. Yeah, but the thing that I really find fascinating about this issue is, even though people will badmouth the con, and we have badmouth the concept of Tyrock, I remember this as being a really good really exciting issue and for years a lot of my characters because of zoraz in this issue and also hawkman had big wings on the side of their hats mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know that's that's historically important also something interesting the legionnaires are intentionally setting up to scam their new guy and to yes. mess with his head yes so tom Starboy and uh, Dream Girl start making out in front of a monitor. Yeah, I don't know what was up with that. I don't. Th- I didn't see that as part of the the gag or the joke. I just <laughs> saw this as, "Hey, here are two Legionnaires showing their affections for one another, and Cosmic Boy is watching them on the monitor." It's actually the reaction of Sun Boy that I find more interesting because Sun Boy's like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey." And this is, I think, the first time in my memory that we've seen Sunboy being, uh, I'm going to be nice and say somewhat lascivious. It actually becomes a very central part of his character in the later 70s and 80s. Like he's a big cad? He's a big cad. He's a horn dog. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a serial kinda like, monogamist. Kind of like Quake Kid. Um, yeah. Actually, the the portrayal of Quake Kid in this issue does resemble what later happens with Sunboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunboy actually becomes something of a player, and this is, to my knowledge, in 1976, the beginning of that, which is probably not the best thing because it's kind of awful. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I mean, we are we've talked about this before in the time period where we have the idea of free love and open relationships uh, that you could have a character that is being portrayed that way. Uh, whether yeah. it's being portrayed in a positive light or a negative light, we will have to wait for a future issue to to uh, to find out. Uh, many people. Uh, so going back to what you said a few minutes ago, Matthew, I want to want to talk about uh, the stripping of the cover. So back in the days when uh, comic books were returnable, it was too expensive to ship the entire comic back. It would have cost you know the distributors and the store owners way too much. The the grocery store and the drugstore owners way too much money to do this. And so right. there was this policy that if you ripped off the entire front cover and just mailed back 
the covers and with the promise that you would pulp the rest, uh, meaning to destroy them, uh, then you would get credit or you would get money back for every cover that you sold. Uh, then that became almost too expensive to do because of the number of covers that were being shipped back. And so then they said, all you have to do is tear off the, uh, the logo and send that logo part back, which meant that, you know, either the top half or the top third or the top quarter of your cover would be sent back to the comic book uh, publisher. And then they would give the store credit or give them money back. Unfortunately, or fortunately, and, and I say, you know, unfortunately there were people who were scrupulous uh, or had, uh, yeah, few scruples. Uh, they were trying. They were trying to get some some uh, more ruples. I think is what they were trying to get. Uh, right. They ended up tearing the covers off, and then turning around and selling at a cheap right. discount the coverless comics. Yep. And I say that that is really a bad thing, but the upshot was out of all of this. This is where the start of comic book stores start to come in, uh, the direct market, because kids would go and buy these things and then they would sell them secondhand to right. kids around the neighborhood for an even cheaper price and, and make a profit on that. The other thing is we actually save a bunch of these comics over time because uh, they may have just been destroyed otherwise. And so we still have a record of a lot of these comics that are around. I remember yep. the very first batch of DC comics that I read um, which were seventies comics. Somebody had given my mom, she's a, she was a teacher, a second grade teacher. Somebody had given her a big box of coverless comics. And this included, you know, uh, justice league, super friends, uh, Dennis, the menace, just a bunch of, you know, random comic books, uh, all pretty good, but they all did not have covers. And the whole point that they'd given them to my mom is so she could use them in art projects, cut them up and do crazy things with them, that kind of stuff. But I remember going through this big box. It must have been about 100 comics uh, back in the late 70s, early 80s. And just do- going into this and going, wow, this is fascinating. I have no idea what's going on in these su- superhero comics. But man, these are cool. And then my mom took them back because they needed to cut them up for, for decoupage. Decoupage. So there you and go. Interesting. If you look inside, uh, right next to the Indicia on the mm-hmm. first page of this story, you will see... DC is aware that this is happening because they have added to each comic a note that says this book is not to be sold or distributed with any part of its cover or markings removed, Mm -hmm. nor in a mutilated condition. Mm -hmm. So they're basically saying that when you bought those, I usually got them either in big boxes or the the three for a dollar Mm -hmm. or, you know, it was a dollar then it may have been 10 cents when the comics were 12, but you would get to a point where you'd be like, oh, they've gotten their credit back for the comic. Yep. So now they're going to sell you three or four of them for the price of one. You get comics. They, they get, get pure money. profit. Yeah. And, you know, the whole thing is actually a crime. Yep. Uh, also, last episode, I talked about how awful it was that they kept saying, yes, we've got blue and green and yellow uh, members. They did it again <sighs> this issue. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. Little, little uh, didn't learn the first time, although it doesn't appear that anybody complained about that. Uh, yeah. The final thing that I want to point out in this issue and how it ties back to today If you look at the very final panel of this issue, as they're Mm -hmm. formally inducting Tyrock into the Legion of Superheroes, please notice that all of the members are keeping a minimum of six feet apart from one another. (laughs) If you enjoy the show, we would appreciate your support. 
You can find out more and become a Legion Clubhouse member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Oh boy, Matthew, that, uh, that, uh, Cosmic Boy costume, who boy? Oh, wow. The letters page of Superboy 218 is all about new costumes for Cosmic and Colossal Boys. And even though the editor says most people liked it, I don't think so. Uh, Maria Munns from La Mesa, California says, and I quote, not only do they look awful, they also stink. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, Katie, I don't know what that means, but it's not good. Katie Katie wrote in and said, what's holding Cosmic Boy's new costume up? Is it glue? Prayer? Cosmic Boy looks like one of those overdeveloped muscle men, and Colossal Boy looks uh, top-heavy without his tights. Please change them back the way they were. So, yeah, there were a lot of people who were not happy with these uh, with these covers, or with these costumes. Yep. Some people were, though. Right? Some people were, thought that they were okay. Yeah, I mean... Here's, uh, here's this one guy. Here's this one guy, uh, JCH, <laughs> who says uh, the high point was Cosmic Boy's new costume, and it's terrific. Don't let anyone tell you that such a skimpy outfit is either degrading or beneath the dignity of a Legionnaire. It's just fine. Who designed it? Mike Grell? It's just fine. Now, my important safety tip. JCH is actually Jack C. Harris, the assistant editor. Ah. That was a, a comment from Scott Gibson, Evergreen, Colorado. If you're listening, Scott, it's time to call us. You have 20 minutes for your long-distance dedication and a $5 credit to the salon of your choice. Uh, only usable between 7.55 and 8.55 p.m. on 5-12-2021. So go. Yeah. The other thing that they pointed out in here in this uh, letters column for 218 was how much they missed the um, the Fatal Five. Yes. Uh, so here, here's this uh, Barry writes in his totally uh, surprising appearance of the Emerald Empress in the shorter story of issue 215 made me realize how thirsty, how hungry and even how starving I am. For a new story of the Fantastic Fatal Five. How about it? How about it? I'm a little concerned that Barry's thirsty for some uh, Emerald Empress. Well, it didn't mean the same thing back in the 70s. I bet it did. Superboy, number 219. The Plunder Ploy of the Fatal Five, published in September 1976, written by Jim Shooter with art by Mike Grell. The Return of the Fatal Five and a Stolen Planet. Speaking of the Fatal Five, Matthew, Superboy issue 219 features the Plunder Ploy of the Fatal Five. I know I had plunder ploy in high school and I had to stay home for like a month and I had to take these special pills. Yeah, my parents went to Hawaii and brought me back some plunder ploy. Right. It's good stuff. Uh, so we get to uh, get introduced once again to Duplicate Boy. You know, Duplicate, du- boy. Duplicate boy. Everybody remembers Dupl- Duplicate Boy, right? Well, if you don't remember him, I mean, it's probably not without reason. Duplicate Boy's last meaningful appearance in the Legion. I looked it up. Action Comics 381, which this book came out in uh, September of 1976. Yep. Previous appearance was October of 69. So it's been seven years. Wow. Now, wait a minute. He was in Superboy 200, though, right? I thought he was there with uh, he was in a cameo. He was standing next to uh, Shrinking Violet during the the wedding scene. Wedding scene. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, Duplicate Boy? When did they hire Duplicate Boy? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, 
Duplicate Boy. I, I, I seem to remember him. He had a, a real interesting name thing going on with him. He did. Um, his name has actually changed several times already. Uh, initially, I believe his name was given as Ord Quelu. Yeah. Later, it became Quelu Ord, at which point the editors decided, and they said that on planet Lalor, from which mm -hmm. he hails, first and last names are interchangeable. So you can be Quelu Ord or Ord Quelu. You could be Schleicher Steven, or you can be Steven Schleicher. But this issue, Violet says, hey, Qued, and then you get the little box that says, Qued Orlu, Duplicate Boy, is a hero of the planet Lalor. So I think that Lalor, as it sounds, is actually a planet of anagrams. As long as all the letters are in there, maybe you can do whatever you want with your name. This is a really weird, this is a really weird story. I, I really have to admit, because... Shrinking Violet is really excited that she and uh, Quaalude get to go on a mini vacation together. And when I say a mini vacation together, I literally mean a mini vacation. They're some some hotel, down. some hotel lobby somewhere, like you know the the best Western Seven Eleven has built out a scale model of some fantasy city that's just laid out there, and apparently it's got electricity and everything running through it. And so these two think it would be a great idea to go in vacation in this little miniature model that someone has sitting in the lobby of their hotel. Sure. It's Legoland. Literally. I, I guess that, I guess that's the only thing that I can think of. Uh, so these two shrink down and no sooner do they shrink down than there is uh, who is it? They rock Johnson is there or is it uh, Johnson? Yeah. They rock Johnson the is persuader. There. Oh, the persuader. Yeah. yeah. The persuader. Somehow these guys got shrank down. We'll find out more about that in a moment. Mm -hmm. He uses his atomic ax and he slices Duplicate Boy in two. Well, he doesn't slice him in two, but he injures him very gravely. He slashes him across the back. Oh, no. And leaves him, leaves him badly injured. But it's the atomic axe. This thing should have just cleaved him in two. Keep in mind, Duplicate Boy can duplicate powers. So at the time that he was being attacked, he was trying to duplicate Validus's power. Ah. And part of Validus's power is durability and nigh invulnerability. So even though he couldn't duplicate it and he was dealing with a power feedback from Validus, he clearly had enough durability left over to keep him from dying. That's my official explanation. I'll expect my no prize, even though it's the wrong country, wrong company, and wrong actual you know genre, but it's cool. Meanwhile, we find out that uh, the Emerald Eye of Ekron is mm -hmm. st suddenly starting to get a power boost. We've Which is seen weird. it. We've seen it bring somebody back from the dead. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we've seen it do some mind control stuff. And in this issue, we find out that the Emerald Eye, which I don't know if it's at this point called the Emerald Eye of Ekron or if it's just known as the Emerald Eye, the Emerald Eye has the ability to not only shrink somebody down to size and regrow them, it also has the ability to teleport them. Leading me to believe that of all the members, and I thought this even when I was reading uh, the Legion um, hardcore in the 90s, mm -hmm. I always thought the Emerald Empress was the most powerful of the Fatal Five, even though Thayrock is sitting that he is the most powerful and Manos Hands of Fate is sitting there thinking that he's the most powerful. Right. I always and thought Validus, that the... Defresh Maker is just... <laughs> and I, I always thought that the Emerald Empress was the most powerful member of the team and always the leader. Here, I think we're starting to see that happen as the Emerald Eye starts to power up. 
It's interesting to me that she is probably the best one of them because she's the only one that we don't have a snotty nickname for. That's true. Uh, So with the duplicate boy in suspended animation, they decide that they're going to go after the fatal five. And so boys in the back to tank, uh, just kind of floating there. Yes. So we find out that the fatal five have been stealing things from all over the place. They've been stealing tiny Android parts. They've been stealing some micro circuits from Imsk, some Android port parts from uh, Rorel, uh, some poisons from Zephro. And they also stole half of a planet, Cryum. The left half of planet yes, Cryum. Literally the left the, half. The, the cry part. Yes, the cry part. And they're trying to figure out why would these guys need all of these things? Why would, you know, we need, uh, you know, poison, all this poison? Well, uh, just so happens that Manos comes from a planet of uh, poison. You breathe poison. And, you know, you've got, uh, you've got the persuader who loves to fish. And so you steal half of Cryum, which contained all the uh, the wild fish population, and you start to figure out very quickly what these guys are doing is actually building a new secret base. Yes, and it's it's pretty smart the way they do it because it doesn't make sense until you realize all of the parts. And Tarok actually hides their base behind a moon in a stationary orbit. So even if you're on planet Cyrum, you won't see them there. They're always going to be shielded from any planetary defenses. Yeah, because, it's, it's actually pretty clever. Because that portion of the planet has now been ripped away by well, uh, Validus. Validus, who, by the way, speaks again in this issue. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because I find that really, really odd that, that Validus is able to speak, and he does so just with, like, it's very casual. Uh, which I find hey, odd because I'm stealing this hemisphere. Get out. Because they still make him come off as a great big baby with his big rattle that he's that he's got. And yet he's talking just like no big deal. And I was like, what is going on here? I'm not entirely sure, because if you look at the greater picture of Validus stories, the implication is that Validus has the intellect of a child. Yeah. Validus, and the reason for that is eventually revealed that he is a child. Spoilers! But we'll get there. It's interesting to see him speaking in complete sentences here. I can't remember, and I didn't find any, and you know, I didn't go through every single issue he appeared in, but I didn't find any previous expectations or any previous incidences of him speaking. Mm-hmm. And I went and I looked around and, you know, I, I, I did the hardcore stuff. I entered, can Validus speak into a Google search? Yeah. And so you ended and up on like Pornhub or something. The answer that came up has never actually, uh, first of all, apparently there's a character named Validus in a, uh, a, fl- a high fantasy novel. Which Probably. Is, uh, yeah, that's fine. But if you look, I cannot find a lot of previous instances of Validus talking. More importantly, his weird little squishy nose is gone. Again, right? So I'm not I'm not sure that this is the real Validus. Maybe this is actually a faux Validus? It could be. I, I've always thought that maybe there were... You Two Validi? Maybe they were twins? Mm, right? I doesn't... doesn't there. Doesn't... doesn't uh, isn't one I of their, their lineage always have, have twins? I see what you did there. Anyway, yeah, we'll anyway, we get to see what who we have. We have Colossal Boy and Superboy yep. and Lightning Lad and Shrinking Violet and Brainiac Five are all going on this mission to take down the Fatal Five in yep. their Star Trek uh, spaceship. 
which we get a fantastic. This is this yes. is my favorite part of the issue. This uh, sideways panel, the cutaway of, view of the cruiser. Yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's very doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it, it doesn't because you see the engines. Yeah, they're really, but tiny. there's nowhere in the ship for the engines <laughs> to be. <laughs> The engines are just like a port on the back of the ship. And I'm well, like, if you if you look, it's, I think it's actually under the floor where Lightning Lad and um, uh, who else? Superboy. Mon-El. Mon-El are are at. Because if you look, there's some stairs that lead down then through the neck of the ship to the bridge area. And so I'm thinking that underneath the, the floor is where the engines and everything are at. Interesting. However, there is one thing about this that needs to be pointed out. Mm-hmm. That I'm not sure if you caught, but I did. The impulse engines? No. Look in the neck of the ship. Yes. We have Sunboy. Where and he's we running have a... down there. Galley, living quarters, human needs. Yeah, like toilet. That's, I think they mean a that's toilet. The, that, that's, the, that's the can, Stephen. Yeah. It, it, the it, Legion they poop? has a can. They have a restroom. Every, everybody poops, Matthew. Yeah, but the Legion, I mean, just knowing that the Legion poops, think about this. I mean, I, I didn't not assume that they didn't. Have you ever seen a story where they do? <sighs> not no. to mind. Well, there's always some stuff with Matter Eater Lad when he walks into the room and he's like, whoo, don't go in there. That's why I always assumed that was going on. He just ate something and he made a stinky. He made a doo-doo. You, Any, anyway, okay. anyway, I Superboy. you're imagining issues that never happened. Or did they? Superboy. Superboy takes out the Emerald Eye by wrapping it up in his super cape. And even the Emerald Empress is like, oh no, my uh, eyeball will get out. And he's like, yeah, 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 not out of my uh, super cape. And she's like, attack my android men. All these hunky men all oiled down that have been uh, servicing her, catering to her every whim. And he's like, literally rips the arm off one of them. And as he's beating it, he's like, I must stop the Emerald Empress. But even I, as he's beating another android to death with another android arm, even I can't punch a woman. (laughs) Some of these androids are female. Oh, no. (laughs) Really? It's so funny. He eventually gives her uh, whatever the, uh, it's not a sleeper hold, but it's the one where you wrap your arms around somebody's body and you squeeze them enough to where they can't breathe and they pass out. That's the bear hug, as popularized by George the Animal Steel. Yeah, no, he uh, totally does that to her, knocks her out. Uh, Validus is all upset because his rattle gets broken. Uh, we see each <laughs> of the other. We see each of the other members being taken down rather easily. You know, to be honest, uh, shrinking violet yeah. punches punches the persuader in the jaw, which you know we don't see enough persuader stuff in. In the Legion. I think we get to see the others more than we see him. And I think that is because there's the slow phasing out of the fantasy, um, the fantasy element of the Legion. You know, everybody used to wear these weird Robin Hood costumes, you know, about 10, 10 years ago. And the Persuader definitely comes from that because he's kind of wearing a suit of armor and he's carrying around a battle axe. And I think we're starting to see the phase out of that. And maybe that's why he doesn't show up as much. He'll be back. He will be back. We also find out what what Thayrock Johnson is doing. He's trying to make uh, an android backup half of his body. (laughs) And he's trying to wrap it all in the perfectly normal looking rubber face masks uh, material that is so prevalent in comics and issues of Get Smart. And I think that this issue kind of, for the first time, makes me feel bad a little bit for Dwayne Thayrock Johnson because... 
I mean, I'm not saying that I would kill somebody who destroyed my, you know, rubber face mask half body, but you can kind of feel for him. You can feel like, oh my gosh, you know, it Brainiac comes out and says, we denied him his humanity. Wait, Superboy says that. But even so, the Legionnaires basically force him to live again as a freak after he accidentally melted mm-hmm. half of his body. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Duplicate Boy is not dead. No, of course because not. Because while he's been in the uh, in the recovery chamber, the oxygen tent, yep. Saturn Girl comes in and says, oh, maybe I can uh, mind meld with him and yeah. make his regenerative part of his body duplicate itself or some mumbo jumbo. Oh. Well, she actually uses his power to duplicate Superboy's recuperative and invulnerability powers, which is remarkably clever. I feel it's actually a really solid move. There aren't any truly rock stupid moments plot wise in this issue. It feels like everything kind of gels. Imra's thing makes sense. And earlier in the issue, very subtly duplicate boy was like, I shall duplicate the powers of Superboy." Yeah. Oh no. Now I am hit in the back with an ax. It's a moment that makes sense. It's set up in the issue in a very subtle way, and I really, really like that. Yeah, also really kind of set up subtly, uh, we saw in the previous issue, with Sunboy getting a little bit too uh, interested in the makeout session on camera. Here, mm-hmm. once uh, Duplicate Boy is learned to be revived, uh, Shrinking Violet is like, hooray, I get my boyfriend back. And then we see the long, slow Hulk walk of uh, Colossal Boy <laughs> as he walks away with his head hung low and Superboy staring after him going, What's wrong with Colossal Boy? He never acted that way when he drank my coffee. <laughs> and, then, he, uh, and then we finally kind of get the connection that, oh, he's kind of in love yeah. with her. The big guy has a crush on the tiny girl. And he actually says to her, very sexist, easy baby, when she punches out the persuader. You didn't think I'd let him hurt my little flower girl now, did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah creepy. Creepy. Jim. Creepy. Creepy. Jim. Jim, I, I'm, I'm sorry if it weren't for the fact that Colossal Boy has been established as kind of a big goober for whom that kind of lame pickup line might work in an I, you know, I read it in a book that I bought in a bathroom vending machine kind of way. Yeah, I'd be mad about it, but it it kind of works here. It's almost sweet. And she's yeah, like, oh, okay. thank you, Jim. I, you oh. know, I, I, I've I, just lost my the person that I liked uh, a, a great deal. And even though amid my, my morning, you wanted to hit on me. That's so cute. My also, boyfriend's dead, but it's sweet that you want me. Also, uh, just to give you guys a prelude to what's coming up in the next issue, um, it's a murder mystery where a duplicate boy is found just dead in the middle of the street. <laughs> And, you know, everybody standing around is just like, we don't know what happened. How could he just be laid out flat like this with all of his innards just all over the sidewalk? And it isn't revealed until Superboy flies up above the scene and he's looking down. He goes, oh, my gosh, Duplicate Boy is laying in a crater, the shape of a giant footprint, which can only mean dun, dun, dun. You're going to have to tune in next uh, episode. To find none out of what that happened. is true, by the way. If you're listening right now it and would you actually, come back for next episode, none of that is true. <laughs> it would it actually would be make fine. for an interesting story. Would it, though? You just made Colossal Boy into a, je- a jealous murderer. I mean, he's already going to be jealous. And I'm sure his jealousy is going to bubble up at some point in the near future. 
he's not a murderer and his jealousy doesn't bubble up until 83 and it does it in a way that you won't see coming but again as he comes up behind her with a uh one of those uh ether filled uh kleenexes no there's no chlorophyll involved you are you're your jokes are (laughs) bad and you comes up behind her with a giant plaid have some chlorophyll shrinking violet We have come to the end of another Legion Clubhouse. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. Matthew, what did we learn in this episode? We learned that if you miscolor Dream Girl pink, she looks exactly like Saturn Girl. I think we also learn that uh, having pent-up frustrations ultimately leads to racial tensions with every other race in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. But we also learned that Brainiac's 12th level intellect allows him to properly do the dab handshake without any training. Thank you so much for checking us out again this week. We will be back next time. And until then, I'm just a tad jealous lad. And I'm Kid Kid Kid. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.